Strategic Living with Brian Holmes, episode number 51, Getting to Know God as Father. Hi, this is Ray Edwards from RayEdwards.com, and you're listening to Brian Holmes, one of my favorite people and certainly one of my favorite podcasts. Welcome to the program today, everybody. My name is Brian Holmes, and you have found the Strategic Living Podcast, where we are all about transforming minds, developing leaders, activating destinies, awakening dreams. Hey, we want to see you healed, your mind renewed and transformed, and I guess in some total, we want to see you become all that God has created you to be and accomplish all that he has assigned you to do. Well, it's going to be a fabulous program today, and I am deeply, deeply emotionally involved with this topic. Let's get started, everybody. Well, thanks for being here today. It's always a joy, a pleasure, and frankly, I'm really honored that you would take of your time to listen to the program We really do believe that God has called us to put out there principles, ideas, truths, concepts that will add value to your life, will help you to become more of what it is that you have the potential to become. I really believe that you have great, great potential. I believe that there is literally greatness inside of you that's just waiting to jump out and add value to those around you. You see, everybody you come in contact with needs what it is you have. So therefore, our role and our hope in life is to be able to add something to you so that you can become more effective at what God's called you to do. Well, today on the program, we're going to be dealing with a topic that is dear to my heart, something that has been a very key part of my personal journey the last two to three years. And in fact, I'm not sure there's anything more important that's happened in my life in the last two to three years than what I'm going to talk about today, and that is getting to know God as Father. And I'm not going to preach. I'm not going to try to articulate and pontificate. I simply want to share my heart as to the realization that I've come to, and that is that I have a loving Father, and I truly will benefit most if I relate to him as daddy. Something I was never taught, something I was never really trained to think like. In fact, I was maybe taught opposite of that. So I want to begin with a few questions today. What was your relationship like with your natural father, your natural father, your earthly father? And if you were to take the time to really consider it, how has that impacted your ability to relate with God, the creator of the universe, as your father in heaven? Do you really know him as daddy God? Do you really relate to him as someone who loves you, cares for you, believes in you, formed you in your mother's womb? and longs to see you succeed on all levels. Do you relate to him like that, or is your view of Father in heaven something altogether different? 
Well, on the program today, I want to share with you a little bit of my personal journey. And from that experience, share with you some of the keys that I have found have helped me to be fully restored to and fully engaged with God himself as Father. Well, normally at this point, we bring in a scriptural or biblical principle to begin with. Today, I'm going to have you wait on that just for a moment because I want to lay a bit of a foundation before we get to a passage of Scripture. But before I even dive into that, I want to tease you a bit. Hey, this is our 51st episode, so 52 means officially we've reached our one-year anniversary of the Strategic Living Podcast. And I've got something really special in mind for you here in a couple of weeks, and I want to just plant that teaser in your mind and in your heart about that. So uh, just kind of pay attention, be listening, and uh, it's going to be really a nice thing we do here in a couple of weeks. Well, my story begins kind of like this. I was raised in a very solid Christian home by two very wonderful parents. My mom and my dad just did an amazing job, the best they knew to do with what they had to work with. And uh, my dad, for example, was a very hardworking man. In fact, that's probably the the strongest love language he had was to get out, work hard, provide for his family. My mom literally lived her life, the years I was at home, to serve her three children. And she was a stay-at-home mom and There wasn't too many days we didn't have breakfast before we went to school or a wonderful packed lunch that was prepared with love, dinner on the table at night, and she was truly a wonderful mother and provider to us in the home setting. I would say for my dad, his story kind of goes like this. He grew up in a home where his father, my grandfather, was emotionally disconnected from the relationships he had in his life. There was something there, some brokenness, some hook, something, and I'll I'll never know because I didn't know him really for too many years of my life, but there was something there that did not allow him to emotionally relate with his children, seven of them, and... uh, Therefore, my dad tells me or told me that he never remembers his father expressing his love, his approval, his his affirmation. In fact, he was my grandfather was much of a recluse. He would get up in the morning, eat breakfast at the table, not say too many words, go off to his work, and he would come home then. When he would come home, he would retreat to his personal room where he had a chair and a a little radio, and he would just shut the door and literally be separated from and isolated from a lot of people there. Well, as you might imagine, that in the absence of what is needed, that which is not really treasured or needed is still conveyed. And my grandfather conveyed a message to all of his kids, even though he wasn't saying anything. 
And because of the way my dad was raised, without that affection, without that love, without that hugging and and pats on the back and pats on the head, uh, he just simply grew up not knowing himself how to express love, how to express approval, how to really give the attaboy or the son I'm proud of you. He just didn't know. So I, I can't fault him for it. But of course, it does pass on, as you might imagine. So, you know, my dad didn't know how to do that. Other than all he really knew how to do was to perform, to work real hard, and to provide for his family. And he did that very, very well. But he unwittingly modeled for us what performance orientation looks like. Now, I believe my dad loved me and loved my brother and my sister with all of his heart. I believe that there was not an ounce of him that didn't love and care for his kids. So don't mistake that. Uh, Gratefully and thankfully, I did not grow up in an abusive home or a home where there was a lot of pain and drama. Uh, But I believe he loved us. But he was consumed himself with performing and producing because that's the model he was given. Now, you take that. And by the way, we're talking about the father. So just hang with me a bit as I lay this out to you. Add to my relationship with my dad and some of the maybe inadequacies that were there, my religious upbringing, which like much of religion was entirely performance-based. Our salvation actually was built on do's and don'ts. Our salvation was contingent upon whether or not we had ticked off the list or checked off the list all the things that we had to do in order to earn God's love, earn his favor, earn his salvation. We were taught in religious settings that, you know, we had to really work hard at being good and behaving ourselves, and and we had to not tick God off. <laughs> we had to make sure that we didn't have a, an ungodly thought for one moment because if we did, the wrath of God would rain down on us and he would he was just standing by waiting to to punish us, to push us away, to put us out the house, to reject us. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, evangelical Christianity built most of what it did in the early years around him sending us to a burning hell for all of eternity. So, Again, as children, we're very impressionable. We're very open to ideas and concepts, and the framework for our belief system really is formed in these early years. And so I had this grid of little affection and emotion and expression of love, and I had this grid of God, of this man, this this figure who wanted to destroy us and, and send us to hell where we would be you know, have flames licking at every inch of our body. And he just, he just, it's like he was longing to, to disqualify us. And so I grew up thinking of God in that context. And it didn't allow for us to relate to him as a loving father. Well, you add on top of that, and, and there's so many denominations, and I'm sure every person who is raised in any type of denomination or church has a little bit different version of this story. But In my denomination growing up, we were not taught the role of God as father. In fact, uh, we did not know him to be father at all. Uh, We were not really allowed to consider that role. It was mostly just focused on Jesus and Jesus alone. So if there was a father, we didn't want to know him because he was the boogeyman. But in our heart, we didn't really 
connect with this idea of a loving father because that wasn't how we were taught. So it was in my late teen years before I began to be exposed to any real discussion about a heavenly father. And even then, it was oftentimes given in the context of fear or our inability to measure up to his expectations. So I guess what I'm laying out to you here is my grid of father was very skewed from early in life. My own dad, from him, really all I ever longed for was just his approval. And that's, that is absolutely true of every human being. There is an instinctive, natural, heart-level desire in every man, every woman, every boy, every girl to have their father say, man, I'm proud of you. I, I approve of you. I love you. You are all of that in a bag of chips. I'm telling you, uh, in the uh, Hebrew culture, there is nothing more treasured than the public affirmation and the blessing of a father being conveyed on a son. And that is what we are designed to have. Therefore, we long for it, whether we know it or not. My grid was kind of messed up. Well, let's fast forward a few years, and I'll skip a few details. But in 1995, I became a natural father. My first child, Christian, was born in 1995. And all of a sudden now, not only did I have a child, I had a son. And this little creature that was about 16 inches long and weighed about 8 pounds, uh, even though it was not the full stature and the full measure of what he would eventually become, the fact is this life I had participated in bringing it into existence. I had been a part of the creation process, and now I'm responsible as a father for this life and this boy's destiny. I began to understand the joys of watching my children <laughs> as they did something for the first time, you know, it's just, it's so funny. They pooped their diaper for the first time. Oh, isn't that beautiful? Isn't that wonderful? And when they crawl across the floor for the first time or pull themselves up on a chair or against a piece of furniture, or certainly, my gosh, when they take their first steps, you were to think man just went to the moon again. Amazing. I began to understand what a father's heart feels to watch their children accomplish, achieve, arrive at these benchmarks in life. I experienced the elation of going to their little kindergarten programs and their little musicals, and when they're doing things in church plays or the, they parade the little kids up in front of the whole congregation on a Sunday morning and have them sing a song and you know, one child's picking their nose, another child's bending over, another child's dancing around, not having anything to do with the the particular song that's supposed to be being sung. But, man, I don't care what the kid's doing. If that's your kid and you're their father or their mother, you just think it's the most awesome thing in the world. Theater productions as my son got older and graduations and all these other things that went on in life, just baseball games and you you name it, just the the emotion and the pride and the swelling of the heart that a dad feels to watch their child. And they just say, that's, that's my kid right there. I begin to understand a little bit about what a father feels. As our children got older and they began to get more involved in, in ministry or more involved in things that interested them, they would begin to, to 
really step up to the plate and do things that were just natural to them, but yet it was something that made your heart so full to say, man, look at God using our children in such a beautiful way. It was powerful. Now, all the while, while I'm watching my kids grow up, and while I am experiencing the joy and the elation and the pride of a father in watching them become, at the same time, I personally am struggling because I am constantly seeking the approval of others. I am constantly, in indirect ways, reaching out, performing, trying to act a certain way, say a certain thing, or do a certain thing, or rise to the occasion enough to get someone's attention where they say to me what I wish my father might have said. And so while I'm enjoying my kids and relating to them in a healthy way, there is this dichotomy going on, this contradiction where I am relating to God in a different way. I'm trying to measure up and seek approval, and yet my kids aren't even trying. They're just being who they are. They're just growing up naturally, and all the while, me as a dad, I'm like, yes. That's my kids. I spent years struggling with performance orientation, years trying to impress, years trying to fit into a mold, into a particular framework that was acceptable to some group of people that I thought if I could ever gain their respect or gain their approval, I'd be okay and I'd be worth something, I'd be valuable. Years of working hard to earn people's respect, never quite measuring up of what I thought was expected of me. You see, that grid follows you. Your perception of a natural father, your need for approval and affirmation, and most of all, your grid and your belief system concerning God as father, it follows you. And that was me. In 2012, God brought me to a really amazing point in my life, and I was seeking to to grow beyond where I knew just in my heart there was something more he wanted to bring me into. I knew there was more uh, of an experience of a life that was available, but I just, I couldn't quite put my hands around it because it didn't fit what I knew to be true about Father. January of 2012, I was privileged to go on a a quest, it's called, wonderful ministry called Fellowship of the Sword. And I strongly recommend this to both men and women. It's based in Fort Worth, Texas. You can go to fellowshipofthesword.com, I believe it is, or .org maybe. And you can check into what they do, but their their main programs, the Quest for Men and the Heart Quest for Ladies, those events are not big seminars, they're not big conferences, they're not some big church deal. It's simply a time away that's been constructed and carefully framed so that the individual who's attending it can actually have an encounter with Daddy God. It's a structured but yet loosely structured process down in the hill country of Texas on a beautiful ranch along the the river where a person can just clear away the clutters we've talked about and hear that voice. Well, I went on this quest, 
and my life was changed forever. On that quest, I had several significant encounters with heaven, several significant moments where my heart and my thought process was shifted and changed. One of those was on the Thursday we were on our our quest and getaway. I was sitting down by the river by myself, no one else around for eight hours, just me, nature, God's creation, and yes, Daddy was there. And as I'm going through some of the things that I'm going through and praying through the things I'm praying through and I'm, I'm really contemplating all that I'm really kind of working in in my life, I began just to weep and cry over my kids. We were at a point where that year uh, our son was going to be entering into his senior year of high school, and I knew that that shift was coming and he would be leaving home. And I was just crying out to God, God, protect my kids. God, take care of them. Lord, guard their destinies. And I was just crying out. I mean, literally weeping, crying out loud. And just in a moment when I shut up for just one second, as plainly and as clearly as I've ever heard him speak to me, I heard this. You trust you as an earthly father more with Christian's heart in his life than you trust me, his heavenly father, and all that I've spoken concerning his destiny. Could have knocked me over with a feather in that moment because in that moment I recognized that as much as I loved my kids, and by the way, I would take a bullet for either one of them. I'd lay down my life for either one of them today. As much as I loved and cared for them, I could not possibly in my human condition care for them, protect them, love them, promote them in a way that was nearly as effective or as powerful or as loving as what God could do as Father. And when he spoke that to me, I literally broke down. I went down on my knees and began to just sob Because that day, I chose to really give my children to a father that could never fail them. You see, I could fail them. I could disappoint them. I could offend them. There are times when I have really done some really crazy and stupid things. But in that moment, I said, okay, they really are yours. And I really can trust you with their life. That was one encounter. Another one, on the same trip, we were in a time of worship, and I was just sitting on the floor, and God literally just engaged with me and took me to a place and began to speak to me about how he wanted me to relate to him as dad. I could tell you so many stories about that trip, but it was in January of 2012, first time in my life. Keeping in mind, I've been in and around the church all my life, accepted Christ at eight years old, was baptized at eight years old, but I never knew him as my dad. I never knew him as a father who wanted desperately to promote me, bless me, prosper me. But that week, that all changed, and I began relating to him as my dad. Jesus modeled this for us. Every single day, the Bible says, before the sun would even come up, he would leave 
all the folk he were hanging with, and he would just go away into a solitary place, a private place, an away place, and he would commune with his father. That's what he was doing. He said things to us like, I only say what I hear my father saying. He said, I only do what I see my father doing. He said, one time he says, I and my father are one. When you've seen me, you've seen the father. There was such a continuity and a oneness between them, father and son, that if someone saw Jesus walking out his daily life, they could have easily mistaken it for the father himself. Well, it really was him, wasn't it now? Because Jesus' entire life was nothing more and nothing less than the expression of his heavenly father in the earthen realm. That's the kind of relationship God longs to have with you. Or you get up every day and you say, hey, Dad, good morning. What are we doing today? What's going on today? What, Man, what kind of stuff am I going to encounter today? What do you got prepared for me today, Dad? What a life that is. There's an amazing story in the scripture about the prodigal son. I know if you've been around any Sunday school class or church environment, Christian culture at all for any part of your life, you've heard this story. The story says a man had a couple of sons, and one of his sons, the younger, came to his dad, and he says, I, I want you right now to give me my inheritance, that share of your estate that falls to me. I want that now. It's amazing. It seems as though there's no discussion about it. There's no argument here. The father divides his wealth, gives to his younger son what was allocated for him in the house. That younger son gets all of his stuff together, and the Bible says he went on a journey to a distant country, and there he wasted it away. He squandered it. Bad investments, partying, living it up, hanging out with the wrong people, making irresponsible and immature decisions. He just he just blew it. You know the story. And then it says when he had spent when he had come to the end of his inheritance, when he had spent everything he had, he found himself in a place where there was extreme famine and he became impoverished. Now, wait a minute. Before he received his inheritance, he was not poor because he was in daddy's house, had everything he needed without even asking for it. So he found himself with nothing and he went and hired himself out. He became a a swine, a pig feeder. He began to feed pigs. Bible tells us that he was so messed up that he He found himself hanging with them, slopping with them, and even eating with them. There's a verse in that story that says, when he came to his senses, this is what he said, talking about the father. He says, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? But I am dying here with hunger. I am dying here while the employees in my dad's house are living it up. He says, I'm going to get up. I'm going to go to my dad. I'm going to say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. 
and I've sinned in your sight. Watch this. He says, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. That is the kind of mindset that most Christians grapple with. Because we think our sonship is contingent upon what we do, but it's not. But this was the mindset. I failed. I've messed up. I'm no good. Therefore, I will, I will acquiesce. I will give up my sonship. Just hire me in your house. Make me a slave. Make me a servant. He got up. He went to his father. But on his way there, the Bible says that while he was still a, a long way off, way out in the distance, the father saw him. The father's heart began to have deep compassion and desire for his son. The father left the house and ran to him. And watch what he does. He embraced him and he kissed him. And, of course, the son went through his spiel. Hey, I've sinned. I've messed up. I, I'm not even worthy to be called your son. But the father said, shut your mouth. He said to his slaves, hey, you guys go get the best robe we have in the house. By the way, a robe is not just a garment that covers up your nakedness, but it is. The garment was actually a family garment. It was, it was colored, had stitching, and it had had symbols in it that represented the, the royalty, the, the regal nature, the status of this family. It says, go get the best robe we have in our house, and I want to, watch this, I want to cover him in his true identity. He's my boy. He's my son. No matter what he's done, no matter how far he's gone, he has wasted my money that I gave him. He has wasted his inheritance. I don't care. He's my son. Bring the robe. Get the family signet ring. Put it on his hands. Get sandals on his feet. Go kill the fatted calf. And man, let's throw the biggest, meanest party this region's ever seen. Why? For this son of mine was dead, but he's alive again. He's lost and he's been found. And they began to celebrate. Ladies and gentlemen, I this is not, please hear me, in my estimation, this is not a story of a sinner coming home. And I'm sure it can be preached that way and has been millions of times. This, to me, is a story about the kingdom because the passage begins, the kingdom of God is like. This is a story about being restored to the Father as a son. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter how messed up your grid was as a child, no matter who hurt you as a child, your heavenly father will receive you, cover you, clothe you, feed you, and give you again the authority that is in his name. I want you to get to know him like I have as dad. I want you to to somehow do away with all of the concepts and ideas that have clouded the true identity of who Father God is to you. All of the religious stuff, all the do's and don'ts, all the performance stuff, all the 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 God hanging over the balcony of heaven with a big bat waiting to beat you over the head. That is not our Father. What Father, what good Father in the earth would ever be just chasing down and waiting to beat his kids just for the sake of doing it. No, man. We want to see our kids succeed. We want to see them do well. We want to see them blessed. I want to see my son and my daughter do better than I've ever done. I want them to go far beyond what I've accomplished in my life. That's that's the heart of a father. 
that is the heart of a father. I want you to know him like that. I want to give you a couple of things here as we wrap this up. First, I want to give you 10 things to know about Heavenly Father. 10 things that you need to know about God as Father. Number one, Father loves unconditionally. Let's just start right there. He loves unconditionally. That means there is nothing you can do, good or bad, to earn it or to lose it. He loves you unconditionally. Number two, now this is going to be sound a little interesting given what I've been saying here, but listen to me closely. The Bible says the Father chastens or disciplines those that he loves. Because he loves me unconditionally, he is going to see to it that when I get off course, that he comes alongside and he brings discipline. He brings correction. He provides me the opportunity to get it right. You know, when, when Sabrina and I were raising our kids, we went to a phenomenal program called Growing Kids God's Way. And one of the lessons that they taught there was when you chastise or when you uh, bring correction to your child or when you discipline them, uh, that it's critical that you not just bring the consequence, but you teach them the moral reason why, meaning true correction, true discipline that's being administered by a mother or a father to a child. Same thing with Heavenly Father. He not only says, no, don't do that. That's not right. And we have to deal with the consequence of that action. But then he comes alongside. He says, let me explain to you why that's not healthy for you. Let me explain to you a better way. The next time, here's what I'd like you to do. So the father chastens those he loves. Number three, you already have his approval. Therefore, you need not perform to achieve it. Or the picture I get is Jesus subjecting himself, submitting himself to baptism at the hands of John the Baptist. And as he steps into that water and John baptizes him, this the Spirit of God, like a dove, descends from heaven and the heavens open and you hear this voice and all the voice says didn't say, behold, the salvation of the world. No, he just said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Didn't announce this guy is going to raise the dead, perform miracles. He's going to open blind eyes and he's going to cast out devils. No, it wasn't about what he was going to do. It was about his affirmation and approval from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You have his approval. Nothing you do can add to that or take away from it. That's number three. Number four, he also gives good gifts to his children. The Bible says that it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That's number five. He gives good gifts to his children. Number four, it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Number six, This is an important one. He will never leave you or abandon you. I know I'm speaking to someone today who does not have a great relationship with their natural father. They messed up. They abandoned you. They rejected you. They left you alone. They they left home when you were small or they hurt you while you were home. Whatever the case may be, I'm going to tell you that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He's a responsible, loving father. Number seven, he more than any earthly father longs to see you prosper 
and be successful. Seven things. I'm sorry, not ten, but seven. Seven things you need to know about your father. One, he loves you unconditionally. Two, he chastens or disciplines those that he loves. Three, you already have his approval, therefore you do not need to perform for it. Four, he gives good gifts to his kids. He, What dad doesn't get a kick out of doing something special for his kids? By the time you've heard this podcast, I will have presented my daughter, who just turned 16 years old, with a beautiful ring that I had designed for her that represents purity and royalty and, and blessing and joy. I'm going to be taking her out on a date in a couple of days, and I'm going to speak into her life, and I'm going to present her with because I love doing special things for my kids. Number five, it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Father God will release you into places of influence that nobody else can. He wants you to be released into the kingdom. Number six, he'll never leave you or abandon you. And number seven, he, more than any earthly father, longs to see you prosper and be successful. If you're like me, Maybe you've never experienced what it's like to know God as Father. It, all my years around church and living for the Lord as best as I knew how, I didn't know him as dead. Maybe your experience with God has been all about religion. Maybe your experience with God has been a list of do's and don'ts, a lot of performing up to someone's expectations, never being good enough having to work really hard to earn the grace of God? I don't know. Maybe that's you. As we've mentioned already, maybe your experience with your natural father or even father figures in your life, maybe it's disappointed you, wounded you, tainted your view of what a father really is. Maybe your, your father abandoned you. Maybe your father left you to fend for yourself or just simply rejected you altogether. With everything in my being today, I want to shout to you. That's not your heavenly father. Don't disqualify him on account of a human who failed you. Don't reject the love and the care of a true father on the basis basis of judgments you have towards an earthly one. I can tell you from my own journey that knowing God as dad has changed my life forever. You see, I'm not an extension of the family. I am his family. (laughs) I'm going to say that again. I am not an extension of God's family. I am his family. I am a son. I am an heir. I am literally a member of his household. I have been adopted in fully with all benefits. Here's the piece. Bible tells us that he, Heavenly Father, the progenitor of our essence, he knows the plans that he has for my life and for yours. It's plans for our success. It's plans for prosperity. It's plans for joy, for influence, for impact, for abundance. My job in being a son, is not to perform and work and try to make it all happen and 
and hopefully impress him. You cannot impress the creator of the universe. (laughs) Think about it. My job is not to impress him. My job is simply to be a seeker and a pursuer of the plans that he's already determined for my life. The way that I please him is to walk out my life in faith and in the pursuit of my created purpose. I want to encourage you every day, get up and say, good morning, Dad. What are we doing today? What do you want to say to me today? I'm, I'm your son. I'm here. Just want to be in communion with you because I want to know you as my dad. I'm going to do something on this particular podcast that I've not done maybe before and certainly not often, but I want to say a prayer over you today. Daddy, we love you. And this message today, this program today, this word today, I know is speaking to the hearts and minds of people who long to have that relationship with you, but they just don't necessarily know how. So, Dad, today, would you come alongside of them? Give us the grace to receive you as Father, to know you as Dad, to allow you to love us, prosper us, pour into us, teach us, grow us. We say today, we're proud to be your kids. And we want to know you as our Father. Well, a couple of quick announcements here. I am super thrilled. This is the first time I'm announcing this, but I'm super thrilled to announce that we are bringing the Ties That Bind Weekend Encounter to Houston, Texas. That's right. It's going to be on October 10th and 11th, 2014, October 10th and 11th. For more information, you can go to brianholmes.com forward slash Houston, and you'll get all the details there. Registration opens up the end of August, so be watching for that. Hey, I'm headed out to Africa. I'll be gone for a couple of weeks, but while I'm gone, we're going to be offering through our podcast feed some audio from our Monday Mastery segments. I think it's going to be a benefit to you. They're short, powerful, but they sure are good. If you'd like to have a speak at your event, just contact us through our website. If you want to inquire about our coaching services, certainly do the same. I trust that something we've said today has really moved you to action. I believe with all of my heart, it's so important that we pursue him in that relationship as Father. If you want to comment on this episode, go to brianholmes.com forward slash 051. Go to the show notes, scroll down, and leave us a comment. Leave us a question. Engage with us in conversation there. I also want to encourage you to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes. And if you'd be so kind as to rate the podcast or leave a review, that would sure help us. Well, until next time, remember this. You are made in His image, designed for a purpose, and destined for greatness. We love you. We'll see you back here next week.